So the year was 1970. Don't raise your hand if you weren't even born yet. Those of us who were alive can't raise our hands. We're too old. So there you have it. <clears throat> there was a young musical duo who had a handful of albums, 1970. But they wanted to write a gospel number, something a little different for them. They were folk singers. But that gospel number ended up being a pop song because of its simple phrases everyone identified. They later realized it was in its simplicity that it, it had, this song they wrote had universal appeal. And then later, after the duo would record the album and it would become a hit, Elvis would pick it up and take it to another level. And then Aretha Franklin would take it to another level yet. And it would be one of the most what's called covered songs in all the 70s and 80s. And dare, I dare say, I hear it even today when I'm in stores on the Muzaks. It was sung at the 2001 National Concert for Heroes after the 9-11 attack. And in 2010, the Songwriters Hall of Fame honored this song with the, what's called the Towering Song Award. At the ceremony, it was Art Garfunkel who said, well, here we are years later, and I'm still singing it from town to town, and it's completely alive and fresh to me. There's nothing uh, uh, dated or anything of the past I love doing this song, he said. Thank the Lord, the feeling, the goosebumps constantly checks in every time I do the song. Isn't that crazy? And now you know the song. When you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, I will dry them all. I'm on your side when times get rough and friends just can't be found like a bridge over troubled water. When you're down and out, when you're on the street, when evening falls so hard, I will comfort you. I'll take your part when darkness comes and pain is all around. Like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. Written as a gospel song, actually, to the Lord. And became a pop song in our culture. A bridge over troubled water. But you understand that angst of the soul, don't you? Where your heart is just so troubled and there are times you go to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I'll pray. But you don't even know what to pray. And you've gone to the Lord over a situation or something that's out of your control. And you say, I, uncle, that's what we call it in our house. Uncle, I give up. Psalm chapter 31, which I find interesting with one of our baptismal gals read from verse 3. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Stop there. It's, he's saying, deliver me because I don't want to be embarrassed. My dignity is at stake. I'll be shamed if you don't come through. Verse 2. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save. Since you are my rock and fortress for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me. For you are my refuge. Stop again. He's saying, I, I, I need you, Lord, more than I know. And I, what I know, I really need. And it's, this is not for the simple-minded. I know there is a trap out for me. I'm not paranoid. I know they're after me. Verse 5, into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. You ever heard that phrase when a person's dying? 
And into the Lord we commit his spirit. He's thinking he's dying. In fact, that might be relief, actually. Side note here. Some of the pilgrims, when traveling from Europe to America, for, for them was a religious freedom piece. Some of them were on ships that went through extremely stormy waters and they lost their way, would never, thought they would never find land. And these are good Christian, these are, these are the pilgrims for crying out loud. These are good Christian people out for a better life for their, for their children and for future generations. But it was so bad that they prayed to God that they would just perish. They, they just wished they could die, but they couldn't. And those are the good people. So when you feel down and troubled and you say, I, I need that bridge over troubled water. I need the bridge fast. I'm going under. You're not alone. In fact, you're in good company with godly people over the years. And even David, into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord. You're my faithful God. He's, he's thinking, I'm going to die. I hate those who cling to worthless idols, verse 6. As for me, I trust in the Lord. He said, I know where my head is. I know where my heart is. I'm trusting in God. Verse 7, I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. Implying here, maybe no one else saw, Lord, but I know you saw my life. You saw my faithfulness to you. You know, you care, you understand. If you're taking notes, jot down Psalm 139. You saw me in my mother's womb. You saw me before anybody else saw me. He's, he's saying, you know me, Lord. Verse 8. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but you set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. If you've ever been there, you can circle those. Be merciful to me, Lord. I'm in distress. That's where I am. My eyes grow weak. Have you ever been so tired? Your, your, your eyes are burning. You're saying, if I could just sleep. And in your most depressed days, if I could sleep and never wake up, that would be okay. That's the troubled soul. My soul and my body are in, the psalmist says, in grief. End of verse 9. This is the heart song of a very godly man who's pouring out his heart, telling us, you can pour your heart out to God and be honest with him, trust him, but be honest with him in your own grief. So where does that kind of troubledness come from? Well, just from the psalm, I want to give you uh, um, three kind of starting points. You could have more for sure. But we're troubled, I think, number one, by the things that we've done in our past. Um, the psalmist put it in Psalm 38, because of your wrath, there's no health in my body. There's no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt is overwhelming. It's like a burden too heavy to bear. I can't take this. It's, it's the weight of my own sins, my own guilt. The, note, the, the, and note this too. The, the writer of the psalm doesn't say, God, it's your fault that I feel bad. He's saying, I know I brought this on myself. His bones are weary because of his own sin. He's weary to the bone because of his own sin. And there's an emptiness. And it happens with addiction in particular. And it doesn't matter if it's a drag or a drink or a pop of a pill or whatever it is. It's a secret sin you think no one else knows about. But the Lord knows and you know that he knows 
And that wears on you daily because you don't come clean with it. It's a burden you bear. Not just the addiction, but the burden of knowing that the Lord knows. So where does trouble come from? Well, some of it's trouble we bring on ourselves. It's, we're troubled by the things we've done. But secondly, we're troubled by the lies we believe. We get frustrated with ourselves because we believe the lies. Then we think, well, okay, now I have the truth. I won't go back to the lie. But somehow, in the course of time, we, we go back to the lie. John chapter 8, Jesus said to them, You belong to your father, the devil. So much for a happy message from Jesus today. You know, you belong to your father, the devil, and you know and you carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks, get this, his native language. In other words, that is his mother tongue, is lying. For he is a liar and he is the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you don't believe me. We find ourselves really close to this one because we believe the lies and then we, we repent of that, get away from it. But eventually we go back to the lies. I love this. When Jesus describes who Satan is, he says, he is a liar. He was a liar from the beginning and that is his native language. You know how you go back and they always tell you, they always tell you, um, if you ever learn a second language and then you learn a third language and I, I've met people who've lived overseas particularly those who've served in ministry overseas for a long period of time they say eventually they begin to dream in Portuguese or French because that's becoming their language you know and you know what happens and, and it is your mind switches over that becomes your native tongue and what Jesus is saying to people who lie to themselves and don't tell themselves the truth, you're no different than Satan. He is the father of lies. That's his native tongue. So it's the lies that we believe. And some of those lies are that we'll never have trouble. Like, why do I have trouble? I shouldn't have trouble. There's a third trouble that comes our way. It's trouble that just happens with life because life is just tough. It's not because we did anything wrong or right. It's just are light and momentary troubles, but they seem like huge issues to us. But to the Apostle Paul, he says, no, they're light and, and momentary. They're, they're kind of passing, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, there are two kinds of trouble you're going to have in life. The kind of trouble that happens um, that because we bring it on ourselves, trouble because I shouldn't have done something, or trouble that just happens because it's going to happen. Okay? Um, if you were taking notes, trouble that you bring on yourself, that would be Samson. Samson spent too much time with Delilah, right? And because he spent too much time with Delilah, he told her his secret. And so he, he ends up becoming a slave, and why? Because he brought it on himself. Okay? Now, Joseph also got in trouble, but he got in trouble for doing the right thing. That's his trouble that happens in life. So you have to pick what kind of trouble you're going to have in life. The kind that comes with just life or the kind that I bring on myself? So how do you face the trouble with God? How are you going to do that and find God? Well, Psalm 31, verse 14. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. I have to go back to that faith piece. So number one, I face trouble with faith that God is in this. He's in it with me and he's out for my good. He's in it with me and he's out for my good. Even in my pain, he's in it with me. 
And if this does nothing else, get this, if the pain does nothing else but drive you to God, then the pain was worth it. If it got you there, if it drives you to him, then it's been successful. You know how we have name it, claim it verses, you know? Here's a good one. John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Just, I'm gonna believe in God regardless of how the day goes. So number one, I face trouble with faith in God. He's out for you and he's out for your good. He's out for me, he's out for my good. Number two, I'm gonna face trouble without allowing it to control me. This goes a step further. This goes a little further than we'd planned because uh, we handle it, but now we wanna make sure trouble doesn't handle us. We have trouble in our lives, but we don't want the trouble to be what defines our lives. Psalm 31, again, verse 19. How abundant are the good things that you stored up for those who fear you. Get that, how abundant are they? For those who stored up, for those who fear you. So I just need to trust you, walk with you in faith, not allow it to control me, I want to fear you. That you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. We have to choose Get this, I have to choose to see the good hand of God even in the midst of trouble. I I know God is up to something good. I may not exactly see it right now, but I know he's up to something good. Any of you have an oven at home? Okay, almost half, that's pretty good. Have you ever baked something but you keep checking it? Do you ever do this? And in our house, you know, we, we do that. We walk through. Oh, it starts. It starts with a smell. It's not my fault. I'm just walking through, right? Oh, what's that smell? And I open the door. And what's the what's the word? What are the words I hear? Close that door. Close that. Okay. I just wanted to see what's inside. Oh, it's. And then, oh, but it doesn't look done. Of course, it's not because it's not done yet. Yeah, but when's it going to be done? It smells so good. Have you ever had something like this? The smell factor is out the sky, isn't it? But you have to leave the oven shut. Why? Because it's doing its thing, and you you aren't to the final product yet. And that builds patience in your lives. But you don't have patience. You have saliva, glands, (laughs) smell. I have a nose. And so I stand at the oven with my hands, you know, like that. And they say, that's not going to make it cook any faster. So then I do what... You know, probably shouldn't be done, and I don't recommend it, but when no one's looking, I just turn the temp up a little bit. Should have done faster. That's free. That's not, that's just free for you to use. You ever brought something out too early? Bring it out of the oven too early? That's bad. That's a mistake, isn't it? Then you cut it, and it kind of, right? You had that? Oh, brother. Start all over again. I've done that, and then put it back in the oven quickly before anybody sees the knife marks in it. I don't know what happened, honest. I don't know who was here. Must have been that neighbor kid. You have to give it the time, and I have to, I have to let God do the work in me. It's like the oven piece. It doesn't look done, why? Because it's not done yet. And maybe God is up to something in the pain that's not quite done yet. And it's going to be a beautiful thing. It's going to be a masterpiece, a piece of art. 
but right now it's not quite done yet. And so if I'm going to find in my trouble, if I'm going to find God, I have to face the trouble without allowing it to control me, but I have to face it knowing God is out for my good, number one. Number two, face it without letting it control me. I have to see the good that God is up to even when it feels really, really bad. Jesus put it this way, John 14, peace I leave with you, peace I give to you. I do not give you peace like the world gives. He said, I don't give that kind of peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled. See, the Lord gives a wonderful kind of peace, but it's not like what the world gives. What the world gives is kind of a shake it, wrap it, throw it in the microwave for a minute, pull it out. It's instant, but there's instant gratification to what the world gives, but it isn't nearly as good as slow bake, going through the painful process, lots of dishes to do, but the end result is wow, a piece of artistry. And isn't that what God is really out for in our lives? You are, uh, Paul wrote, God's workmanship in Christ Jesus. You are a piece of his artistry. So when you are in the oven of the baking of this painful, troubled piece, he is up to something good in your life. You are his masterpiece, his piece of art, if you will. Well, there's one more. Face trouble with perspective. Psalm 31, again, now verse 21. Praise, the, uh, praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in the city under siege. Now, uh, wait here, just a moment. You're saying, okay, I'm praising the Lord, and I'm praising him when? When the city is under siege. And when the city is under siege, that's when I knew he really loved me. You, you, know, you know people love you when, when you're rich and good looking and you have a nice car. People love you and you're popular. But when you don't have all those things and people still love you, you're down, then you know they really love you. Okay? That's when you find out God really is out for your good. And that's how you keep perspective. I praise the Lord. Look at that verse again, verse 21. Because he showed me the wonders of his love. And when did he do that? He showed the wonders of, the, of his love when we were going through the deepest, most gosh awful days in the city. The city was under siege. That's when I saw the goodness of the Lord. And so then, even under siege, what did we do? We praised him. Jesus again, John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. You will. There's another name it, claim it verse right there. In the world you'll have trouble. But, but take heart. Why? Be of good cheer, he says. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Now, if you stand with Christ, then you are the overcomer. That's the good news. Okay? You are going to have trouble in life. And if you stand with Christ, you are, you're going to have trouble no matter who you are, no matter where you're from and what life presents. You're going to have troubled days. And if you stand with Christ in faith, you'll be an overcomer ultimately. But if you don't come to Christ in faith, let me tell you, then the way you stand is the only way you stand. And what you have in your hand is all that you have. And when you run out, you're out. 
And that's, for me, it's the troubled soul that makes us run to Jesus. Because he says, not only am I the way, the truth, and the life, I know you're going to have trouble, and don't, but don't worry about that. I'll overcome that with you. Because the one who is in you, First John says, is greater than the one who is in the world. We'll be overcomers when we stand with Christ. If ever there were a natural invitation to Christ, this is it. If you don't know him as Savior and Lord, I encourage you to embrace him today in faith. If you do know him as Savior and Lord, this is the day to run to him in faith and say, I want to be under your cover, and I want the good perspective, even in the midst of pain, to praise you even when my life is under siege. Verse 21. Even when I'm under the gun, if you will. I will praise you because I see your good hand in the midst of it. Let's bow together for prayer. And as we pray, <clears throat> let's stand to our feet. And I might just say to you, today if you hear his voice and you say, you know what, I need the Savior. I need the Savior. Then open your own heart right where you are. You don't need to come forward. You don't have to sign anything, sing anything, Nothing. What the Lord wants is you. So you tell him in your own words, in your own heart. God in heaven, I'm seeing today the trouble of my life. I cannot win on this. And a lot of it I brought on myself. It's my own sin. So I, I come to Christ today to be my savior and to be my defender in life. He is not willing that any should perish. That's not his will that any perish. He wants you to come to him. But you have to repent of your, yourself and believe on Jesus. As you do that, he welcomes you into his fold. And for the many, Lord, who have already made that commitment, we realize once again, apart from you, we can do nothing. So we run even closer to you because we have days our souls are troubled and in, in desperate pain. And so, dear God, in the midst of that pain, Lord, we want to see you, we want to know you, and we want to get your perspective on this. Because we don't want to live down and defeated. We want to live like the one who is in us is better than and greater than the one who's in the world. And we want to be of good cheer, because through Christ you have overcome the world. And we want to live like overcomers. So give to this that, that kind of perspective, we pray, dear Father. Change our hearts, not our situations, change our hearts to love on you, to follow you, we pray. And we pray this in the name of Christ, our Savior and Lord. Church says amen. Amen. amen.